Yo, 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 guys, what is up? And welcome back to another episode of the Game Six Clay Podcast. It's your boy Gotham with my boys Matt and Chuck. Gentlemen, welcome back. Happy Wednesday. Um, a an angry Wednesday, may I may I dare say. Um, Draymond Green officially uh suspended five games um after the altercation um choke job with uh Rudy Gobert. Uh, we'll get into everything last night, um, suspension, all this stuff. Um, we're hot tonight, but Gentlemen, as always, how are we living? How are we living, boys? Oh, man. Just, you know, uh, just in the context of last night, you know, I'm sitting down. I'm at my desk. I'm trying to finish an article. And then uh, suddenly my phone starts exploding. (laughs) And uh, boy, have things changed since then. (laughs) Um, We're doing well. We're loving life, uh, getting ready to uh, head out on a little Thanksgiving vacay, which I'm very excited for. But boy, oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about. Matt, how are we doing down there? Uh, I think this has been the most amusing 24 hours of an NBA season for me in a long time. Uh, how am I doing? I'm fine, actually. I've gone through like periods of anger. None of it has to do with Draymond Green, funny enough. Um, it's more about our guy, Moses Moody, getting the fucking absolute shaft from uh, Stephen Kerr, but we'll get to that later on. Uh, no, I mean, again, good. I, again, I have very seldom in the last 24 hours opened Twitter and not gotten a legit, like, hearty belly laugh on because I see Rudy Gobert's face. <laughs> <laughs> surrendering to whatever is happening behind him every time I open my phone it is just it is it's blissful in a way that I can't be mad about the repercussions so I'm great man it's, <laughs> it's, okay. it's awesome man you said it right it, it, it had to be Rigo Bear did it like that was no let's just start there let's just start with the whole suspension and, and the brawl from last night um like a minute and a half not even maybe into the game i me and chuck i don't think we saw it live but i think matt texted us and he was like yo clay just got into a fight with jane mcdaniels and rudy gobert is getting choked out by draymond or something yeah it was it was all of it man it was awesome didn't even get a chance to turn the game on yet uh but yeah they, uh, jane mcdaniels clay kind of going at it just uh, you know i i love we love clay obviously it looked like he grabbed his jersey first and kind of just escalated from there um, a little pushing and shoving. The end season tournament uh, was was living up to the hype for the first minute and a half right there, and the game in general. But um, Rudy Gobert comes out, just kind of starts to you know. Obviously, I'm gonna assume that he was not trying to go and actually choke out Clay Thompson, but um, you know he he got his hands on Clay, and and our boy Draymond man just came in like a a, a missile, um, just beeline for Rudy Gobert who. We all know the history between Draymond and Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the year, snub, respect lost, whatever it is, respect never had, whatever it is. There's a lot of history between them two. And this motherfucker, Draymond Green, took the absolute biggest uh, excuse and just, you know, cashed the shit to get to get his man, dude. And he went and just choked the shit out of this fool. And it was awesome. I have, I'm going to flat out say I loved it. I will get into the repercussions and suspension and everything, but that moment was just, but Matt, you said it, you were laughing the entire time. I was so, I haven't been that juiced watching a game, watching those replays since like the playoffs. 
And even that didn't give me uh didn't give me like as much satisfaction as watching Draymond just absolutely fucking chokehold this motherfucker. So fuck Rudy Gobert. That's that's how I'm starting this one off. Chuck, I you you're just you're you're beaming. They call him they I mean, call Gotham Fitzgerald, man. Yeah, <laughs> get me on the Fitz prop, dude. <laughs> me and Fitz will be generational on the broadcast one day. Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, just so blazing. I so I think before we get into the general slander fest that I'm very excited for, um, breaking down everything that happened, I think we can lay a pretty clear timeline of events here and like who was at fault. And I think it's just kind of important to get into that. So Clay, shot goes up. He's got the hand on McDaniels' chest. Maybe grabbing a little jersey, maybe not. But overall, like, I don't think what he did was in any way egregious. Uh, Jaden takes some exception to this, and he starts trying to swing Clay around like a discus for whatever reason. Like, he just completely loses his cool. And, you know, Clay being Clay, like, we know he's not an aggressive guy, but if you go after him, he's going to respond. Clay responds. There's some general kind of toss up they it kind of looks like they both kind of tried to take a swing but since mcdaniels was just you know doing this little uh whirly dance with clay uh neither really on balance um rudy comes in gotham i'm totally in your camp on this one i don't think he had any intention to harm anybody like at all he's just like let me just separate the guy nearest to me from the altercation Granted, I don't think it was the smartest thing to grab an opposing player from behind, especially like putting his arms around him. Uh, And I can understand why the Warriors uh, did not take too kindly to that. And they really did not like that. Steve Kerr said that after the game. (laughs) Draymond Green looks, I mean, let's be, how many, how many, how many kids does he have? He's got a couple kids, he's right? He's got three now, yeah. How far do you think knowing he's about to attack Rudy Gobert is from the joy he felt of having children? Like, that man literally hopped like a little kid on Halloween seeing a bag of candy. <laughs> like, this was the greatest moment of his life. Makes a beeline for Rudy and then just puts him in a choke. And the the funniest part is while this is happening, which goes on for way too long, he completely overdoes it. And then Cat tries to come up and pull him off, and Draymond tucks in his chin <laughs> like like an amateur MMA fighter. He's just like, you won't take my neck. It's not gonna happen. Like I've got your boy, and I'm not letting go. <laughs> But, I mean, all that to say, I think we can say that there were pretty clearly two aggressors here in McDaniels and Draymond. And then I think there were two guys in Clay and Gobert that just kind of got caught up in things. And, you know, they did they do things perfectly? No. But, holy shit, did everyone else completely overreact to the situation? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think for me, like, I think it, it was when Clay got tossed, man. It was like, yo, what are you, what are you supposed to do? Homie's just like tearing my jersey. I think 
McDaniels, like you said, was an escalator. Draymond obviously escalated the situation, and those two deserved the ejections. Uh, but if you're going to toss Clay, then you'd have to toss Gobert because there's no way that was peacemaking. Um, you're not grabbing another opponent, um, an arm around the neck or whatever it was, however it played out. Um, that That's not so. I wanted to see more consistency on from the officials and for them to flat out say it was a peacemaker and then find him $25,000 today. Doesn't add up. Um, some bullshit. Uh, but Matt, Matt, I want I, I got to hear this from you, man, because you've been having a day on Twitter, huh? You've just been. Oh, yeah. Man, it's been a, again. It's just I, I. It's one scroll, one laugh, man. It's like a. It's eye for an eye, but I don't know. I don't know. It's great. So, uh, let's add in a thousand. <laughs> oh my god, dude! It was fantastic. So, you guys watched House of the Dragon? Yeah. Okay, so there's a scene I think where Prince Daemon Targaryen, right? He's the he's the main guy, the most badass guy in the show. He is standing with his family, and there's a man who is speaking against his family, more or less, right? And the guy speaking against his family is about to call Damon's uh, niece slash wife. Uh, he's about to call her kids bastards, okay? And the guy pauses before he says the word bastards. And Damon says, very quietly, he says, say it. Okay? The guy says it. And within seconds, he just, the guy's head's on the ground, okay? Swipes, sword to the neck, head on the ground. That's how I felt about Draymond yesterday. And that's how Draymond viewed this. I think he's been waiting. He has wanted this for so long. He's wanted some excuse to put his hands on Gobert for the last, since that first defensive player of the year award, man. Um, he's got at least two Draymonds. Gobert is an awesome defender in his own right. I'm sorry. He doesn't deserve three of those things. Beside the point, um, he's been waiting. Okay. He's been waiting and waiting. I don't know if Gobert was peacemaker or not. I, I can see in fast motion, it looks like, hey, he was going to grab Clay off. When you slow it down, you see hands on there. Guess what? You can't slow down life in real time. If I'm Draymond and somebody I hate with all my heart puts their arms around somebody that loves Nick, it's it's seeing red and I'm, I'm going to the disco, man. And Draymond went and again, it was, I think they timed it at nine seconds. I have laughed. Wait, wait. The chokehold lasted nine seconds. Nine second chokehold. And I, I laughed throughout just because, first of all, the, the dynamic between those two has just been so consistent. Rudy Gobert looking like his hands up, I surrender, was, again, the, the look on his face and just shock and surprise. And I know for a fact, I don't, I'm not for a fact, but if I had to guess, you can see Draymond talking this throughout the throughout the chokehold and you know he's saying something like hey how is this for you motherfucker okay you put your hand on my guy's neck how is this okay and again i don't again i don't think and Gotham, i think you bring up a really good point there's something to talk about here is consistency from the league okay you can't if he's a peacemaker at least stick to it if you're gonna say he's peacemaker stick to it you can't find the guy twenty five thousand dollars after labeling him peacemaker i actually probably would put gobert more in that category than most people would. I don't think he was going to do anything nefarious oh, really? with Clay. I think that again, I don't think Draymond was hallucinating. We there are stills of Gobert's arm around Clay's neck. And again, if you're Draymond slobbering over the fucking idea of just murdering somebody who you hate, it's like it's hey, that's all you need. Okay. Um the five games, I don't know. Um too much. I knew it would be between three and five, I felt like just because it's Draymond. Here's the deal with this. The league needs to have standards. Like they need to have set, like, hey, 
this crime gets this punishment. Second time, this crime gets this punishment. You can't just say, uh, hey, you know what? Draymond is insane, and he is, right? He gets this punishment. We saw Ben Simmons put Cat in a chokehold a year ago. Also, Timberwolves, if I'm if I'm Anthony Edwards, I'm wearing a neck collar for the next two years, man. <laughs> Just in case, okay. I'm not. Well, nobody voted right here, bro. Answer yeah, me, bro. it's 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 go it's, it's talent. It's go bear. If you're doing the last session there, it's Edwards next. I don't I don't think anybody dislikes Edwards like that. Fortunately, um, but again, there needs to be some kind of precedent and some standard here that they follow. We've seen guys choke before. We've seen guys uh, do all kinds of crazy shit and not get the same punishment. We've seen the league handle domestic abuse a certain way. We've seen the league handle. Um, the Josh Primo situation with less tact, I think. And it's just, again, not to get on my, like my high horse here, but there's gotta be consistency here and five games. I don't think it's egregious saying five games. I think it's egregious that those other guys don't get more to be clear. Um, and it's egregious that they don't have some kind of defined system in place for offenses like this. And it's just like, it's like me with my middle school kids. It can't be like that, man. I've got no system. Those kids rule me. Okay. That's not how it goes. So anyway, that's where I'm at. Um, I I can't I can't imagine the picture anymore without laughing. Um, that was one of the most fun games of the year, to be totally frank. So I can't wait to actually get into the game stuff. But uh, yeah, jump right in. League, jump right in. League's yeah. got to figure it out, man. One more one more note I want to throw out there, and you know, people, I think you know the consistency, and you know, this you could say about generally any NBA conversation. There has to be more nuance between the lines because everything I've seen is either Draymond didn't get enough. He does this all of the time, boot him out of the league. Uh, People are being like, can, can this be a lawsuit? And it's like, all right, grow up now. Granted, I am losing my mind at how funny it would be if Rudy Gobert showed up to the game in a net cast and sunglasses like Chris Moltisanti tonight. That, that would have been the funniest goddamn thing we've ever seen. But like, Matt, you hit the nail on the head. Like, okay, if you are the guy who gets violent on the court, First time, you know, suspend them for a game, whatever it's got to be. Establish a baseline. Second time, you jump it up. Third time, now we get into, hey, man, you're running out of chances territory. And I'm all for that because, like, we've seen it, you know. At the end of the day, I I, I do want to be entertained, but I want to see this team win. And there's a part of me that's mad at Draymond for losing his cool and costing teams game his team games because that's what's going to happen if he misses five games they're going to be affected because of that that's maybe a win maybe two wins who knows so that part of me is upset and the other part of me that's upset is like when you see other instances of you know like you said Ben Simmons um, like just smothering cat on the ground and choking him. He did not get suspended for that. Uh, Nikola Jokic lined up Markeef, Marcus. I forget which, Markeith. which of the Morai uh, it was, but he just lined him up and hit him right between the numbers and ended his season. Like, and that got sus- a one game suspension. So that to me is kind of the issue of, when you treat these all as isolated incidents and you don't have some overriding plan 
for, okay, first time this happens, second time this happens, then it all feels incredibly arbitrary. And now you've opened yourself up to the Warriors fans who are just freaking out, being like, oh, he's they're targeting the Warriors, they hate Draymond, they want to do X. And then it also opens you up to the people from the other side who've seen him do this, frankly, over and over again. I, I think this is the most clear, egregious time he's done this. But, I mean, the dude tried to put a hole through Domas Sabonis in the playoffs last year. And we, we know what he is. Like, so since you haven't established this point, what is the consistent scale up of this? then you kind of just leave it to the wolves and people are going to make up whatever. Ne- oh, well done. oh that, that wasn't intentional. Uh, but <laughs> no, like you, you just leave it up for interpretation and you let people run wild with this. And yeah, the part of me that's most upset is because you don't have a system to handle these things. Now Draymond is getting suspended more time for, what frankly is a much more minor incident than Josh Primo assaulting, like sexually assaulting a person who works for his team. He got half the suspension of Miles Bridges who hit a defenseless woman over and over again, who is still getting charges brought up in court. Like that's just, that's just an incredibly frustrating amount of inconsistency. Cause if Draymond's getting five games for doing that, get these guys out of the league forever. If that's the standard you've established, then those dudes need to be gone. Yeah, I think that's huge. I also just want to, I think we'd all agree like those kinds of things that shouldn't be the lead at all, right? The, the things we're talking about are probably like, they're far greater than that. And what Chuck, correct me if I'm wrong, is trying to get into, there's a lot of pearl clutching over the Draymond stuff and a lot of like nonchalant, um, just flippant discussion around crimes being committed by players yeah. in the league at various points that are more that are tolerated at a level that on a scale are on a scale probably that's not it's just not okay um and that's the greatest issue here on the um, one thing man honestly everybody just grow the fuck up bro it's basketball it was a, it was a skirmish on the floor like shit happens five games are you shitting me like that even for a even for a repeat offender like draymond like if you like you said they've set a precedent of it's isolated events and we treat every you know in-game altercation whatever happens as an isolated event you have precedent that's been set Serge Ibaka damn near tried to clock someone on the Cavs he got two games uh Ben Simmons zero like I mean one like let's be let's be for real man like that 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 was a targeted hit job um five games is complete bullshit um it cost the Warriors obviously five games without Draymond obviously Steph is still injured right now but you already kicked him out of the game right there. So he's basically already suspended for one. So it's a six game suspension, um, which just does not warrant the crime. Um, in fact, I'd say kicking Sabonis probably was more blatant than what he did last night. And he got one game for that. So I think it's complete bullshit by the league. I think the league is just, it's a lot of fake energy, honestly, like from Adam Silver. And you've seen this over and over again. Um, a lot of, like you said, Chuck, just bringing up the different, different types of crimes and suspensions that have been committed. Um, Shit's basketball, man. Grow the fuck up. Anybody on either side, like Warriors fans, I think you're rightfully pissed off. And people that are crying for arrest Draymond, obviously you've never fucking competed or been in a situation where your boy is in a situation like that. And it, it like you said, Matt, it happens so fast. 
You have never hated someone the way Draymond yeah. hates Gobert. Hundred percent. That is the guaranteeing issue. you every single person <laughs> that got a set of cojones is doing the same thing. And if you don't, fucking make him drop, man. So that's that's my take on it. I think the I think the league is just it, it, it's a lot of double standards, and I can see why Warriors fans are pissed off, man. Like this again. This is nothing to take away from Draymond. Um, Draymond's like part of this. Like I agree, Chuck. I think that when your team needs you on a night when you don't have Steph Curry and obviously Clay is in the middle of a skirmish, you know what's going to happen. You want him to be there. He got kicked out of the Cavs game. He wasn't there for the Nuggets game. I think it was some personal reasons. So obviously something not related, but um, again, like we just need Draymond on the court and he's, he's time and time again, this season already not been available. And again, he's going to be out for five games. So I'm with you on that side, but from purely looking at the situation, man, I got I I I'm I'm big obviously big time we're all big team uh, team Draymond um but the the bigger issue here is is the league and and the lack of of awareness and really just clarity on on what constitutes what kind of a punishment so um targeted hit job fuck Adam Silver what's what's funny is if they actually had kind of like you know sliding scale precedent they could say like hey first offense second offense. Draymond, be, DP might be in worse shape. You know what I mean? That's kind of the yeah, issue. That's what I'm saying. Like, like, he'd, he'd be worse. Again, if you count one nut per incident, he's, at he's in a lot of trouble. He's so like I'm just – yeah, he's he's up there. A lot uh, of nuts. A lot of nuts. Lot, there's a lot of nuts, man. That is, it's in the rear view, thank God. But Draymond was uh, – he was trying to, to lower the league children rate for sure, man. So anyway, <laughs> listen – that was a good game. That was a great game. It was the most fun I think we had watching that. I think the three of us went through roller coasters where where basically for a good portion of the game, it felt like a win. And then I was texting you guys at the end of that. I just hey, it, it, it's, it, this is gonna hurt. Oh man, if I maybe, maybe, maybe man. If my not watching was actually helpful to the team, trust me, man, I would be happy to talk <laughs> was, about was, never mind. I'd turn the game off every night, man. It'd be good for me, my health, my sleep. I'd be happy to to make that sacrifice. Um no, I ended up being a great game. The Warriors without Step, without Clay, without Draymond. It was some weird, like, Twilight Zone glimpse of a, a future without those three guys. In some ways, it felt like they fought the hell out of that game. And guys stepped up. Obviously, we'll get the pods. We'll get to uh, Sarich. My God. Like the, the In my head, he's also a Frenchman. I know he's not, but I can picture him wearing, a, like, some – some striped sweater and a beret and smoking a long cigarette really easily. It's just like, it's a really, I was, a, I was just going to say, he's got one of those two foot long cigarettes. Yeah, it's right there. He's, he's built for it. So these guys all stepped up like crazy. And again, it ended up being a four point game, a th- three point game. Um, three, cause my, my bet pushed. It was great. So uh, guys, uh, you know, again, a lot of stuff to look at, a lot of players to look at, a lot of, a lot of career to think about, but what did we leave that game thinking about? What was outside of Draymond stuff? What did, what stood out to us? So, I mean, the thing for me that really stood out was, you know, this comes with a grain of salt because he probably uh, shouldn't have to watch a minor skirmish to get excited to play a game. But Andrew Wiggins had far and away the most effort we've seen out of him this year. And, yeah, the shots still didn't. Hot take, Wiggins likes fights. That's the one. Yeah, no. Let's go. Your time is here. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's what they need to do in the tunnel uh, before each game 
is just line up Corey Joseph and have Draymond punch him in the face. And then <laughs> Wiggins is giving you 20 points with all defense every single night. <laughs> um, I'll have to contract if he knocks out Kojo for every for every game, man. That that would be that would be great for the team. But no, yeah, Corey but, just like with the whole left side of his face completely bruised up, just like please not again. And they're like, I'm sorry, we need Wiggins. No, like he came out firing on the defensive end. Uh, He was really hustling around. He was active. He did a lot in limiting Anthony Edwards, which I think that's, you know, quiet, quietly kind of lost in all the craziness that happened these last two games is the Warriors did a very good job containing Anthony Edwards. Um, And Wiggins was a big part of that. Uh, I think he had three steals and a block. Like he was really getting after it. He was chasing guys around. He looked ready to play. And yeah, he still missed like a good three quarters of his shots. But, you know, to me, that's like, that's something more fixable because I think he was still kind of doing the right things offensively. And if he, if he comes out and brings this hustle, you know, like if the war, if the Warriors lose Draymond for five games, but the trade-off is that, Wiggins now has the fire lit under him again, and he's ready to act like the player that they're paying him to be and that they need him to be, then that would be huge because we know he's had a really rough year. We don't know what happened with him personally, but we know that it must have been really rough because the guy never wants to take time away from the game. Um, So that to me was awesome. Like I, you know, throw putting beyond all the team stuff and the fact that we need him and all that. I, it just makes me happier to see Andrew Wiggins go out there and compete and it makes me feel good watching him go out there and do that because, you know, I feel bad for him when I go out there and I see him dragging and just kind of going through the motions. Yeah. I mean, it's been, a, it's been, that's a great point, man. It's been a rough go for Wiggs. Obviously we've, we've covered it and, you know, talking about it, but, I agree, man. I think for Wiggins, uh, the last few games, even like even since the I think the Denver game too, like the shot wasn't the shot hasn't been there. It's kind of broken right now, but the effort level, the intensity, um, is it, it's, it's getting there it, uh, defensively. I think he's really making his impact. But my biggest takeaway from this game was like they needed something to light a fire under their ass, and that game felt like um, obviously the way you know with the Draymond stuff, Clay, and uh, everything, the way it started. It just, you could tell, it, it lit a fire under the team's ass. Um, guys like Pod, Sarich, um, who else stepped up? Like, Wiggins was good on, on you know, effort-wise. Um, but, you know, guys were flying around. It felt like the most um, the most energetic the team looked. Um, you know, CP was all, like, he was he was looking for a shot, except when he had to, um, whatever. But, um, you know, standing at six and six and, and just going into a going into a, a stretch without Draymond, obviously, for five games, you don't know when you're getting staff back, hopefully in the next game or two. Um, but, you know, this team kind of needed something to get them going. Um, it felt like last night was going to be a massive win um, just for the morale. Obviously, go, coming off three straight outs, um, home stands, you're, you haven't won yet. So um, it, it, it definitely felt like a step in the right direction. It reminded me a little bit of that. Um, 2022 stretch when Steph was out, um, they lost a few games in the, in the beginning of that stretch and then railed off like five or six in a row to, to make the going to the playoffs and kind of just get that momentum and, and really get the role players uh, going. Um, obviously the bench has been um, something good so far for the year or for the most part, like guys have 
have proven that they can, you know, kind of step up here and there. But um, just these 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 times without Steph, I think it's gonna be more. It's gonna be better when Clay and Dre, uh, when Clay's back um, next game, um, and Steph's still out. So you're gonna get another chance to really get the team to start building towards the right direction. And again, I feel like four games in a row you've lost and and you kind of lose sight of the fact that you're only at 12 games in like there's a lot of season left so um you just gotta you just gotta find that momentum and it felt like you know getting into a skirmish last night with a guy that you hate and a team that is obviously up and coming and has made it known that they want to play you um so i think that it was all it was all it was a good great learning experience for for the guys not named steph clay and draymond um and that's that's really how this team is going to be able to elevate themselves and and you know get back and win a championship this year yeah, I think Wiggins is a huge point. Um, I'm not gonna lie; I'm still astounded by his his relative inability to put the ball in the hoop. Um, he really wanted it yesterday. He really wanted it bad. He was so active; had three steals. I think he had three steals, seven boards. Um, might have had a block in there, I think too. But I mean, the energy was there, and that was Chuck. You can't say that. That's the biggest thing, especially again. One of Wiggins again. It's not. It's not. You can't overstay it. One of Wiggins' biggest traits and one of the most important traits for this team is his athleticism right he's he's an athlete on a team he's an incredible athlete on a team lacking in mostly even like mid-level athletes for the the context right and so when he's like that defensively when he's active like he is it's it just means a lot and talking about how well he did on ant was huge he just made ant really uncomfortable throughout the game Ant came through at the end because that's what he does right that that kid is going to be who knows what and who knows when, but he's incredible already. Um, Wiggins' activity was great. I don't know what that means going forward. Um, they need him to score. They like they do. Like his, his, it's awesome that he's getting active, and hopefully this is the beginning of a trend in the right direction for his scoring. But um, he's got to find a way to put the ball in the rack. But that doesn't take away from the fact, like you said, Chuck, that this might be just the aggression on its own was you can't you can't take away from it. And again, if that means playing that uh, him him you know, watching that fight in the locker room three times before every game. I'm all for it. Put it on. All right. He's like a little, little kid with like Disney and Moana on the iPad. He's good. So get him out there. Uh, Gotham, anything else you kind of like, but we'll get to, we're going to get the pods in a second and Moody and all that good stuff, but anything else in the game? Um, yeah, man. I mean, I think overall, just like the shot, the shots, obviously like they, they, that fourth quarter, um, was, it was a massive scoring lull and, um, you know, that's still something that's going to be an issue to work on, but it felt like, you know, they were, they were getting so into some good actions um, offensively. They were, they were getting into flow defensively. I thought they were really good, especially when against a bigger team uh, that had Cat and Gobert out, Gobert out there, Nas Reed. So um, a lot of stuff, like positive stuff. I, I think the, the T-Wolves and um, was the Nuggets, like just with the size, like bigger teams are obviously just a bad match with the Cavs. Um, but teams that the Warriors are going to be able to, you know, run with and, and kind of compete with athletically, I think they're there. Um, they have the personnel to do it. Um, so I think just once we get into a, we survive this stretch and, you know, get, get into a softer spot of the schedule and really start to start to rack up some wins, but, um, no, man, I, I mean, given the circumstances, like yeah, there's not much you could have asked for. And the fact that they not only had a lead, but a chance to really just you know close that game out, didn't do it. But, um, again, you're 12 games in you're six and six, um, or it's not, or the, the sky's not falling. So sky's falling. Um, sky is falling. I can verify. So, I guess we can kind of just frame this as like a standouts from the game. We can get into Moody. We get we're gonna talk about Moody pods. We're gonna talk about I'm sure Sarge will come up. We do we're gonna we're gonna bury the lead, the L-E-D-E lead. I don't know if you guys knew that, but I wrote a, a little column last year and uh one of the commenters was not happy I spelled lead incorrectly. He made it very clear that I was a dumbass and he was not. Uh so that was nice. But uh 
the Warriors rookie, the 19-year-old rook, man, comes in the game. This is not something we see from the Warriors uh, very often, right? Rookies contributing. Are rookies even being allowed to contribute? The fact that Steve Kerr said the words positive in there and left him in for 39 minutes of an actual close NBA game is is uh, it does not go without saying. There are questions to be asked about Steve Kerr's practices elsewhere with regards to rookies, but Pod was incredible yesterday, man. Um, I thought, I mean, it doesn't matter what I thought. He was the best player in the Warriors yesterday. He um, did everything. He was boxing out Gobert. He was shoving Gobert out of the play at certain points. The guy's active as hell. Um, Chuck, you had a good little bit about this a while ago, but he just gets in the paint. Like, he just penetrates and he finds guys. Um, one of my favorite moments of the game was he uh, ran a pick and roll with Looney, and you could just tell in his head Looney was going to explode and do something. He hadn't done it before. This is his first time running it with Loon, and Loon caught it. You kind of, Loon paused, looked around, was like, oh, shit. And Pause was also like, this is not my partner, okay? That's TJD. But, no, the guy was, he was the reason the Warriors were in the game. He was hitting, he hit big shots. Um, I don't know about that three ball still, but, again, he kept them in it. He got to the rack. He was finishing over Gobert, finishing with contact with the offhand. Uh, Steve Kerr said he's in the rotation. Like, going forward, this kid's going to play. Uh, which again, there are some some uh, some little qualms to maybe have with that idea um, on a smaller scale, but he can play. The kid's good, and for a team that seems to put blindfolds on on offense recently, and him being able you know, to ball in the bucket, let him play, let him get out there. I want to see what happens. Chuck, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think the pods thing is huge, especially with Steph's going to miss the game on Thursday. The team said he's going to be reevaluated at the end of the week. So we'll see what that looks like. But, you know, even if he's back over the weekend against the Rockets, you have two point guards on your team that have a combined age of 74, if I'm not mistaken. So you're going to need that third guard. And I do not want that third guard to be Corey Joseph because there is a small ulcer at the bottom of my stomach that grows every time he touches the floor. And at the end of the season, I will be in complete agony if I have to keep seeing him out there. Like, it's, and I get it, you know, I think Kerm, I, I understand why he wants to trust the veterans, but making the smart decision can only take you so far compared to what Pods does, which, like you said, is getting a lot of paint touches being able to finish from all sorts of angles. You know, it's not like straight blow by, get directly to the rim, finish. It's getting his feet back into the paint. It's putting a defender on his hip. It's hitting the little push shots, the little runners, getting into mid-range shots when he can. I sound like ball don't stop right now, but that's fine. Um, So that's the thing to me is like this guy has legitimate juice on the ball. And this is a team that is in desperate need of that. So, yeah, we have legitimate points, I think, to make about Kerr and the blind spots he has. But what he saw out there last night was exactly what this team needed. And credit where credit is due, immediately in the postgame, he said, that guy, that guy right there is what we need, and we're going to play him now. How how sure are you that Steve Kerr is not – is not positive that this is not meet Nico Mannion still. Does Steve Kerr think this might be Nico Mannion and that's what's happening? Like he's finally like, yes, I was right. I knew all along. Is that what this is? <laughs> you know, maybe if it was like Popovich, uh, where he's oh, no. 
it's just like so much so much more geriatric i'd be like i don't know maybe he does think that um, but no like i <laughs> it's just it's just two it's just two centaurs side to side this oh, is no. the same picture <laughs> but no like i think he sees he sees what they need is a guy to just come in and be an absolute shot of energy in the backcourt. And not only on the offensive end, like you said, he was going out there, he was getting physical with Rudy. And when you're a rookie, I think such a thing that stands out is looking completely unafraid of whatever situation. And whether that's having to go down and bump with a guy who's seven foot three whether it's having to take a big shot because no one else can create one. Even the other things like, you know, that moment at the end of the third where he scraps and steals the inbounds pass and just goes, all right, let me just huck this up off the board and somehow get it to go. Like he's just got the, he's got the it, you know, and good on, good on Kerr for seeing that and be like, yeah, this guy's going to stick around. There's no need to, there's no need to beat around the bush here. So in addition to the ball skills, the on-ball skills, we always we say this a lot in basketball, right? They have a nose to the ball. And there are certain guys it, where it becomes very apparent they don't have that. Not This is not a James Wiseman shading session, but like a guy who just – certain guys have magnet hands, right? The ball just ends up – they know where it ends up. They have a good – they just they sniff it out. They know where to get it. Pods is like that, man. He pops up where the ball is. He's not – he's small, so he's not grabbing all those boards. But he's fighting for a lot of them. Um, he's getting some plucked out from above his head because he's getting he's a smaller guy, but you just see him in the right spot all the time. Um, he's gonna keep playing. I, I, I'll be surprised if anything happens. Gotham, who's whose minutes is Pods taking? If he's if Seeker is saying he's in the rotation, he's staying. He, the kid can play. I really, I really don't know, man, because it. I I don't want it to be you know one of Kaminga or Moody, but I you know I I can't see who has GP two maybe, but like I think that which is kind of sad. Like GP, he, I feel like he's, he's kind of had an underwhelming season so far Um, just from an impact standpoint, just hasn't felt as, as um dynamic as he was back in 22. And again, the early season, whatever, working through rotations, but um, my, my biggest thing with pods and obviously like my, my favorite play from him last night was not even on the court. It was the sideline interview at halftime when he said, you know, this eye shit makes me look like a tough, you know what? And I was like, this motherfucker got it. Like you said, Chuck, he's he's got that in factor. And the kid, kid's a hooper. He's stone cold. Um, he's a competitor. Wants to go out and win. Like that, he's pissed when he misses a shot. Like you can see it on his face. He's competing. He's hustling. Um, the fact that he's nineteen years old. Um, and learning. We said this about another young guard learning under Steph Curry and Jordan Poole. Obviously, um, did a great job for us when at time at times. But um, no, but like pods to be able to, you know, have Steph and uh, Chris Paul right there. Um, I think he's going to have valuable minutes. And uh, Draymond also said it like that, that day that the game that they got sent to the G league, him and TJD, he's like, yo, they bring energy for us on the bench too. So like these guys are making an impact on this roster, whether that's on the court, not on the court. So um, I, I will expect that, you know, like you said, just uh, I'm taking Steve Kerr's word. And, you know, he said this a month ago, like he said, you know, this kid's a competitor. He's going to force his way onto the rotation. And um, we're seeing that happen right now, but um, my biggest thing is like, you know, obviously there's, there's been a lot, lot made about, you know, Kerr playing young guys, Kerr playing rookies, um, what that was, but this kind of begs the question of what, what is pods doing that Moses and JK aren't because in a game that Kuminga or in a game that Steph, Clay and Draymond are out, 
pretty much the entire game. You have Moses Moody playing 13 minutes or whatever, 14 minutes, and Kuminga playing 19. That that doesn't add up to me. And, you know, I'm obviously we're not in the building. We don't know what's been going on. But everything that's been said about these guys is that, you know, they work their ass off. They're smart players. And we've and the things that we've seen on the court, we've seen a lot of potential. Obviously, Kuminga, I think, has had more of an up and down season. But Moses Moody has been rock solid for uh, the Warriors every time he's been out there. Um, we saw him perform in the playoffs last year. This year, he's been one of their more reliable shooters, guys that you can trust to put the ball on the deck, go to the basket. Um, and he's just a great and he's a solid defender. Again, another guy who just kind of has a nose for the ball. So when I'm seeing Paws get 39 minutes and, and kill it when he's out there, and I think he's rightfully earned a spot in the rotation and he's going to bring great stuff. On the flip side, we're seeing it with with I'm not even going to put in Kuminga in the, in the same category as Moses Ryan because Moses Moody, every time he touches the floor, I feel calm when he's out there. Like, I feel like, you know, we have a good lineup with Moses playing the two, Moses playing three, whatever it is. So it really begs the question of what, what is, is there an underlying issue? Why, why isn't that he getting the, this amount of touches, amount of leash that a guy like pods who has rifle again, I don't want to come off as being like pods not earn this or whatever. Like the guy, the guy can hoop. We've seen it. But Moses can hoop too, and he can bring a lot to this team. So can Kuminga. So to see a game like that last night, where I don't know, I don't like you don't have the, the minutes were there, so it wasn't even I couldn't find time to play these guys. I couldn't. There were there were spots in the rotation. Corey Joseph should not have been touching that floor last night. Um, so TJD was out there for a little bit too. So like you were able to find minutes for everybody. Um, so it wasn't a fa- it wasn't a case of you know there there wasn't enough to go around. So like last night especially is more so concerning from the fact of you know these this is year three for these guys and if we can't trust them when our main dudes are out our hall of famers are out what what's the end game with these guys and you know that that's something i think we got it we got a monitor for for you know especially these next five games with draymond out um i think it's, it it opens itself to a big time kuminga kind of minutes increase but you never know so um interesting for sure um stoked for pods um stoked that he's going to be in the rotation earned it um loved what he did last night i thought he was fire but um, again, just just kind of begs that question of, of what what is going on with your three your two lottery picks that you you, you took a chance on and they're in year three. So um, you know that that's that's kind of where my head's at with that whole thing. So let me let me build on that too. And so for me, I see Moody and Kaminga right now in two different lights because mm-hmm. I think there are reasons with Kuminga like sometimes the aggression is very inconsistent we've seen it in these two Wolves games like he was primarily getting matched up on Nas Reed who can't contain him on the drive that first game he took like five jumpers off the dribble I am pretty sure he missed all of them in the Nas Reed matchup that's not great last night 19 minutes or 15 I think it was 15 I'm blanking on how many but he only took three shots then on a night you know like you said a night where Steph's gone where Clay's gone where Draymond's gone he needs to step up his aggression and he didn't so that paired with like the kind of defensive inconsistencies we've seen where he's great on the ball but he's still figuring out his responsibilities off it I think there are legitimate arguments for, yeah, we can't just go out and give him a blank check in terms of minutes every night and say, hey, man, you go out and you do this. But with Moody, I think it's the complete opposite case. 
So just to throw some things out there that I think are important to add to like really put the weight behind the kind of season Moses Moody's having. Um, and all these stats are relative to wing players in the league. He has a 93rd percentile turnover rate. He takes care of the ball. That is a huge thing for this Warriors team. And yeah, he's not making a whole lot of plays, but he's holding on to that thing. He's not he's not making mistakes that are going to kill them. Um, 41% of the shots he takes are above the break threes. Those are the toughest threes. He's not just getting pigeonholed into the corners. Those are the clay shots. So on a night where clay's out, you need a guy to step in and take those shots that clay can no longer take. And Moses has hidden 38% of those shots this season. So yeah, can he run around and do movement shots the same way Clay can? No, but there are going to be plays where others guy other guys create and someone just needs to make a good clean relocation on the wing and hit a three. And we know Moses can do that. And to build on that a little more too, like especially on the defensive end of the floor, Moses has been massive. We we talked about that early on, like early in the Moses experience. A lot of the reason why he wasn't getting minutes was because they said he fouled too much. Well, guess what? Now he's in the 86th percentile of fouling or not fouling in this case among wings. He is a 95th percentile defensive rebounder. He is 98th percentile in generating steals. And the most important stat, when you throw out just the context he's in, the Warriors allow 106 points per 100 possessions with Moses on the floor, which is an 89th percentile lineup by itself. So all of the things you see on the tape, the hustle, the offensive game, the willingness to drive, the way he contains his matchups, I think especially the way he plays off the ball defensively, uh, I don't think it's hyperbole to say of guys not named Draymond Green uh, Moses Moody is their best guy rotating over from the weak side. Like he always is getting vertical. He's contesting shots. He's doing so many different things. So to me, you have the film to back it up. You have the numbers that say this team is better on both ends of the floor when Moses Moody is out there. I just don't like, and you know, this isn't to take away from, from what pods does because Gotham, I think he worded that perfectly. What does Pods do to earn this spot that Moses doesn't? I don't know, because I think we've seen time and time again, you know, not only are these just things that are, it's not just things that are piling up and, oh yeah, he has like three great games and then he has a bad one. He comes out there and he plays a good game every single night. I, he really just doesn't, uh, he really just doesn't slip up. And that to me is what's so frustrating because you want to make the argument that Kaminga is not consistent and there's some nights where he doesn't have it and you got to, you got to, you know, hold him a little bit. Sure. I don't see that with Moses. Yeah. It's, it's in my opinion, there are a number of frustrations this season from, from uh, coach Kerr. There quite literally is no reason for Moses Moody to not be playing 20 minutes a night at minimum. Um, and Chuck, you brought up some great points with Kaminga has like some pretty glaring flaws that show up sometimes. Um, we saw yesterday, even him just, he just loses the ball a lot. Like he's, he's, even when he's getting downhill, if he's 
not slashing or catching the ball in movement in the paint. His handle is just not good right now. And he forces the issue a little bit. And Moody just doesn't completely check you. Those numbers are perfect. Man. They, they encapsulate everything that, like you said, the eye test kind of tells you with Moody. It is borderline insulting. I'm going to, I sound like Jim Park, but it's borderline insulting that in year three, this guy's not getting 30 plus minutes on a night when Steph and Clay aren't playing. Um, and Shaq, you brought up, you're not saying he's Draymond. You're not saying he plays the same position as Draymond. He's a really, really good uh, help defender. He's good off the ball. He's really smart. The fact, and again, this is not a commentary on pods. Pods earned the shit out of yesterday. He was awesome. Moody should have been out there 25, 30 minutes yesterday. Yep. He was nothing but great yesterday. Um, and he needs to be, in my opinion, soaking up all of uh, Wiggins, possibly too many minutes, and take four minutes from Clay, man. I'm sorry, get Clay. Clay's 34 coming off two devastating leg injuries. There's no reason for there's no reason for Clay to be playing 30 plus minutes in the regular season right now. There's not, especially again, given everything we just said about Moody. He needs to be out there. Uh, and I the guy has been patient. He has been like a loony disciple through and through, but it's kind of for not, if we're being honest, right? I don't know. He's one of the seven best players in this team right now, in my opinion. Um, he or at least he's been playing as well as one of the seven best players in the team. And it just it's just it's gotta change. He's gotta get out there. And Gotham, you kind of said it best. What are we doing with these two guys? And Moody right now, especially if the plan is not to develop them and get them on the floor because Moody is just ready. He's ready to play. He needs to be out there. He does things they need. He can put the ball in the basket. He defends like crazy. He's long as hell. He rebounds. Um, he does everything. I, I'm, I've, I just can't believe that Corey Joseph, after being on the team for nine weeks or 10 weeks, can get 13, 14 minutes playing alongside. And again, one of the arguments we've heard in the last couple of days is not even arguments. Steve Kerr, uh, justification perhaps is he likes having a point guard out there, right? He likes having a veteran out there. He was Corey Joseph was out there with Chris Paul. He was out there with, with pods. And again, if Kurt is not see pods as a point guard yet, I, I don't get it, but whatever it doesn't, you don't, you don't need the, the six foot one or six foot average backcourt, right? You don't need it. Just, it's not doing anything for you. Um, the guy doesn't know where his feet are on his body anymore. Sorry, Corey Joseph, uh, all indications are you're a great guy, but You've forgotten the size, your size, whatever. You're not sure. I'm not sure, and you're not sure. That's a problem. Okay. Um, stepped out twice, twice, two times. Time. Crucial possessions, both times. Um, I don't know. Gotham, you kind of brought it up, Gary Payton. I'm going to be totally honest. I love GP. Uh, he feels like more of a special. He is a specialist. He's a defensive specialist. It's not like I'm not being insulting. He's the best or second best guard defender in the league. I think you can get more perhaps who knows the pause but moody needs minutes i'm taking some from kaminga um not coming part of me wiggins taking some from play and maybe from gary payton and putting them that kid's way because he does a lot of what this team needs you're muted my guy good to know uh 100 though i totally agree i think that's going to be kind of the biggest question and kind of as we as we kind of end this end this episode but Kind of want to hit on this last point. Like, 
that's how it's going to take to survive. Like they, if you're really going to break this season down and we've been doing it always as kind of in the chunks and, you know, we've kind of got a little mini chunk coming up with um, two, again, two home and homes with the thunder. Um, they got the, the Spurs, the Rockets and and the Suns in some, in some fashion. And those, in those five that Draymond's going to be missing. Um, and that's really what it's going to take, man. Like Steve Kerr, love him. Nine time champ uh, coached us to four, but there have been some very, very questionable ro- roster or rotation moves. Um, like you said, Matt, just the the love for these small lineups, whether that's Steph and Chris Paul and Clay is is a three guard backcourt, or Steph and Pods, or sorry, Chris Paul Pods and and Corey Joseph, like that that's got to stop. They've got the they've got the guys where you don't have to give in to size lot like you had to last year. Last year they had to the personnel kind of made it that way where you ha- you were smaller on on most occasions and the Warriors are already a smaller team so to you know willingly you know cut yourself off at the knees to to put in you know a guy like Corey Joseph with Chris Paul or pause or whatever it is just doesn't make sense especially when you guys got when you have guys like Moody and Kuminga and, and GP out there so I think a lot of it is going to obviously come down to the type of, of, of rotations we're seeing and that's how they survive this stretch man it's going to be it's going to have to be done by committee um, obviously you, you hope to get Steph back at, I think the most, um, logical timeline for him is probably he's missing the next two, the two games against the Thunder. Um, so you're going up against a very, very young team, um, an up and coming team. This time Shea's going to be back. He's going to be playing both those games most likely. Um, and you had a, you know, absolute shootout with these guys on their home court. Um, you know, not two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was. So, um, these first two games, especially, I think are going to be massive, um, I want to see, again, uh, I, I want to preface, I want to see a lot of pods. I want to see a lot of these younger guys. Um, they look great, man. It was it was fun to watch the baby dubs go out there and, and hoop. Um, not to call that Chris Paul or Sarge, like young guys or anything like that, but um, the non-Steph Clay and Draymond guys, and, and you're not going to have two of them. Um, I, again, this is going to come down to Clay, man. Uh, it's going to be Clay and Wiggins. They got to they gotta lead the, the front. Um, we saw it last year when Steph was out. Clay really stepped up and averaged – you know, whatever it was 25 points a game. And it really kept the Warriors afloat and got them those wins that they really, really needed last year. And it's going to, it's, it's going to be the same thing. Um, especially these two games, you've lost three in a row at home. You're, you're on a four game losing streak. So it, it's absolutely vital to break this, especially with Steph not here um, to just build that confidence. Um, so you've got to at least go for a split before Steph comes back. And then, you know, once he's back, you know, you gotta, you gotta really start the, um, you know, get put, stacking up some wins um could not get that one out but um it's, again it's gonna start by committee man um you, you take it take it you know in, in stretches um the the non-step stretch um that you're gonna have probably two games um it, it's time for clay and wiggins man I, I think that's where it starts it all it's always you know the main guys the rotation is is, is going to be a ma- major factor but you need these guys to play better um wiggins can't have another four for 15 night clay can't you know have just bad shots and whatever it is and um so yeah, I mean, I think it's – you said the sky's not falling – or the sky's falling, Matt. I, I completely disagree. But I think the sky's getting a little closer um, than it was, you know, last week. So, um, they got to figure it out. They're in a rut. Um, but, again, nothing nothing better than doing it without your best player. And and they've got the guys to do it. And I, I think that, you know, if they can get a split um, going into whatever the Rockets or whoever it is, that third game on the stretch, um, hopefully you get Steph back by then. So, yeah. Um, Again, big test, man. Twelve games in this is not how you thought it was going to be. At six and two, um, you're six and six now. Um, you're fighting. The West is a bloodbath, so you don't really have 
like that much of leeway to really let this slide, you know, too much longer. So you got to figure it out and figure it out fast. This, this right now is a great time for Steve Kerr to live up to the guys. I'm going to close with the guys who are playing best. Do that now. Play. Let this be a tryout for minutes. Um, I'm already feeling silly about my Gary Payton minutes take. I don't know. I love that guy. I was thinking about it. You mentioned Shea Gilgis. I was like, oh, actually, you know what? Maybe save the uh, the GP2 minutes uh, reduction for after the Thunder series. But um, no, I mean, they. I, I agree. They have we we thought this team was deep and they they are in a lot of ways and i still think they are now is the time to show it off um clay's got you said it clay's got to step up wiggins has to step up especially with with step out right those are your perspective at least two leading scorers outside of staff um those guys got to be putting up 29 they just do they have to uh chris paul can't be a, a triple single to quote chuck right um they have they have the guys they do um, and Steve Kerr needs to play his best guys. And right now, that's just not a given. And he needs to play the combinations that work. Uh, I don't know about you guys. I think I'm in on the Sarge going forward, perhaps. Um, I think that works next to uh, – it worked next to Looney yesterday. They looked pretty damn good. Um, I think it will work wonderfully next to Draymond. Um, but I think that needs to be kind of the move going forward, especially with Wiggins shooting as if – as if there are staples in his eyes. Yeah, we can't, you can't, I just can't keep watching this, man. Um, especially with Steph out, that line doesn't work. Hopefully they maintain the adjustment. Um, my guess is they will. I'm sure it'll be CP, Clay, um, Sarge, Looney, and, and Wiggins uh, tomorrow night. And that's got to be it. Space the floor and hope that your athletes step up. And in this case, those athletes are going to be uh, Wiggins, GP, uh, Kuminga, they need these guys to all step up to five games. And we, we've talked about the depth of the West this year. You know, it's not bullshit. It's early yet, but being six and six after a five and one start is bad. That's a, that's a bad stretch you just had. Um, they can't go one and four over the next five games. They got to go two and threes is not ideal, but hey, you can survive that three and two. We're still talking, right? But it can't be, they can't blow this homestand like they have so far. And those guys, have to be good and it feels like you had a game yesterday if there ever was a moral victory you saw some guys step up and you saw some guys who didn't get a chance to that you kind of hopefully know aka moody who need those minutes that's all Alex, bring us home brother man i'm i'm right with you there they need the hustle out of the young guys they need to get production i think the sarich move is good because especially with no Steph Curry, you're going to need every extra bit of three-point shooting that you can get. You need things that will pull the defenders out of the paint to help the other guys create. Um, and Sarge brings a lot of those things. I I mean, he's not going to, you know, break other opponents on defense, but he's going to do the right things. He's going to put himself in good spots. Um I think you definitely need the young guys to step up, but I so much of it just comes down to effort for me. Like we're going to learn so much of how this team is going to be without Steph and Draymond within the first few minutes of this game against the Thunder. Like if they come out flat, if they're not hustling, if they're just dribbling around waiting for someone else to make plays, then we get a good idea of where this is headed. And then more serious conversations need to be had. 
But if they come out with energy, with effort, if they're hitting the offensive glass from all over the place, if guys are crashing, they're chasing around screens, then we're like, all right, hey, they can survive this. But, you know, you're staring down the barrel of these five games, like, you know, not to be too drastic, but if you start really, if you start really choking this year, like you go one and four in those games, now you're seven and 10. And now you're staring at an uphill climb for the rest of the season. And they need to know that. They need to know, hey, we're probably not going to be favored for these games, but we're damn near going to be in it. We need to look back on this Timberwolves game and think, wow, uh, everything that could have gone wrong in the first two minutes went wrong. Our three best players were not out there. And we took the hottest team in the league wire to wire. So if we go out, if we compete, we can do pretty much anything, as corny as that sounds. But if they just want it, then they'll survive this stretch. And if they come out flat, and if they don't want it, then the season's going to be in a lot rougher shape. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I just real I think the best thing that happened this this season, and I'm gonna be frank, the fact they don't have the pick this year gives me more hope than anything else, to be totally honest. Because uh they I'm have to they fucking, what? The fact they don't have their own pick this year, their mm. own first round pick, they gotta play honest basketball all year long. Uh and there's there's no room for uh for tanking, no room for any of that stuff. So that's all I got. Uh, I again going 0 and five is hard. That's the only reason I don't think they'll do it. Um, but hey, they got to pull some wins out, Chuck. I agree. Got them. Take us home. Not nothing else, man. Before we get out of here, as always, boys, hell of a pod. Um, a lot of fiery stuff. Fuck Rudy Gobert. I want to end it like that. Um, but before we get out of here, Chuck, Matt, any you guys got shot now in the works? You know me. Um, cooking away, pound, just typing, typing, typing. Uh, got an article out on Aaron Neesmith today of the Indiana Pacers. He's been doing some really fun things over there. Uh, greatly enjoyed going through the tape. Um, I, I'm an absolute sucker for a athletic wing that plays bigger than he is and does a lot more offensively than you'd expect. Um, so yeah, go check that out on the swish theory.com, or you can find it on my Twitter at Claytheist 11. Uh, cooking up a little article on a fun rookie out of Detroit. Uh, hopefully going to have that coming out in a few days. So, you know, stay tuned. You're always going to get the Warriors content from me, but branching out a little bit more, trying to go league wide uh, with my analysis here and hope you learn a little something from it. Oh, you definitely will, man. Go check out Chuck, sir. He's a stud. Um, Matt, anything you got? Recently got picked up by a small publication called ESPN. So I'll, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, uh, I got a, uh, I got nothing. Uh, keep reading Chuck. Keep following us. Uh, you know, if you want to join me in hell, I'm I'm there every fucking day. So I'll be uh I'll be I'll be waiting for you. Uh, yeah, I'll be on the uh, broadcast with Fitz. We'll be uh we'll be glazing Steph and. Uh... Rudy Gobert slander all night. So check us out. Um, as always, follow the pod, follow all of us. But um, until the next one, man, big stretch for the Warriors. Exciting for all the content that's going to come, though. But until the next episode, guys. Peace.